0: Good morning. Good morning. So I washed clothes this week. <laughs> if you're here for the first time wondering what that's about, I can't even explain it. it she said to have been here last week is all I got to say. Um, did a little something different. It freaked everybody out. <laughs> Who is this man? What is he doing here? Uh, you know, we've had some awesome summertime crowds here. Uh, I think you ought to give yourself a hand. You know, that was really weak. (laughs) Are you glad to be here? There you go. go. Turn to the person beside you right now and say, you look good. Some of y'all kind of getting into that, aren't you? You do look good. I am glad you're here. You know, I'm just not even on the script, but I want to make sure that I remind you, September the 8th is going to be a big day in the life of this church. No, I'm not resigning. It's funny, it's funny. Yeah, and I love this church. I love it because we are who we are, and we can be as relaxed as we are. You know, a lot of places we can get kind of tense and tight, which I think is funny. And so we don't we don't really do that well around here. But we've been really kind of planting some seeds over the last few months of, you know, September the 8th is going to be a big day. I'm going to share some stuff. And so if somebody actually walked up to me and said, are you resigning? Would I announce it like that if I were resigning? You know, like... So anyway, no, I'm not resigning. But I will tell you this much: Um, last year in Guatemala, uh, God spoke to me. He he really, really spoke to me, and uh, I came home, and uh, we've been kind of working on some things ever since. Uh, So, ever since that, so I'm going to share some of those things with you. September 8th, you don't want to miss it. You want to bring as many people as you possibly can. Uh, Let's pack this place out. Uh, Sure enough, I didn't tell. So will you tell the eight o'clock people? I didn't tell them this morning, and so. Who am I? Who are y'all? What are we doing here? 9 o'clock people. Tell the 9 o'clock people. There may be some people at 8 o'clock. Those are the people that serve. I'm just There you go. Tell them too. Y'all ready to get started? <laughs> some of y'all praying right now. Help him, Lord. Help him. So we're going to finish up our series today called Mastermind. Uh, today is your very first day at Springwell. Over the last three weeks, we literally have been talking about how to Master our minds. If you've ever struggled with some stinking thinking, and and by stinking thinking, if there's ever been thoughts inside of your head that just scare you, if inside of your head can be a scary place to be sometime, then you're here on the right day. If being inside of your head sometimes you just hear these negative kinds of messages, the kinds of messages that maybe somebody planted when you were a child, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a parent, God forbid, maybe it was an uncle or an aunt. But maybe you have these these thoughts inside your head. So in certain situations, in certain circumstances, then maybe those thoughts cross your mind. I can't. I never have. I'm never gonna be able to. If those thoughts have ever crossed your mind, then you understand stinking thinking. If you've ever struggled with some irrational fears that come from your stinking thinking, then you showed up on the right day because today, today, children, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about fear. We're going to talk about irrational fears. We're going to talk about these thoughts that sometimes can bombard our minds. And then we're going to talk about this really strange word. It's called peace. How many of you would say, I'd like to have a little more peace in my life? You, you Everybody seems your life's turned upside down, right? So we're always in a hurry. Uh, life is, is, is pushing us. We're stressed. And we need a little bit more peace because the thoughts that are inside of our heads certainly don't bring us to that place. We've been looking at the beautifully master, um, beautifully mastered mind of the Apostle Paul. Now, if you're brand new to church, say, who's the Apostle Paul? I've heard the name. Gee, what does that mean? Well, the Apostle Paul actually was a, 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 a very devout Jew who hated Christianity. So when the Jesus movement started, followers of the way, he hated that so bad and felt like it was so wrong that he literally did everything he could to see that Christians were persecuted and even killed. Now, he took his job really, really serious. According to Acts chapter 9, he was actually on his way to Damascus to see more Christians persecuted and killed when God spoke to him. In particular, Jesus spoke to him. And when he said, who in the world is this, this voice that I hear? He said, well, it's Jesus. It's the guy that you've been persecuting. So I'm pretty sure that if God spoke to you in an audible voice, knocked you off a horse, and spoke to you in an audible voice, I'm pretty sure you're listening, right? So he was listening, and his life was radically changed. And then he went from being this guy that was a persecutor of the church to someone who had fallen head over heels in love with Jesus and said he is alive, this whole thing was real, the resurrection was real, and I want to tell as many people as I possibly can. And because of that, He would go into these cities and and he would do exactly that. He would go in, he would share the gospel. People would get saved. They would understand um, what he was saying and then they would give their lives to Jesus and they would become followers of Jesus, which meant followers of the way. Jesus said at one, one point in his ministry, I am the way, right? I am the way. And So these people were referred to as followers of the way. So you have Paul, so he would go in and he would share the gospel, people would give their lives to Jesus, and then he would plant these little churches. Well, people got tired of his preaching. And so they, he was thrown in jail. So he's, he's, he's in prison, he's in a Roman prison, and, he, and he, while he's in prison, he writes this very meaningful, encouraging letter of joy to a group of people that were in a little church that he planted in a place called Philippi. Which honestly sounds kind of weird. I've done a lot of prison ministry and I've taught you know, I've never really met a person in, in prison that was full of joy. <laughs> are, you, are you you know what I'm talking about? Everybody that I know in prison wants out. And so to be content being in that state and to be full of joy just sounds actually it sounds kind of crazy. And then I mentioned that not only is he in prison, but he's also in prison waiting on what could be What actually was his eventual execution. You can't make this stuff up, right? So, he's in prison awaiting what's going to be his execution, and he writes this letter that is full of joy, which sounds crazy, but it's the truth. So, that's the case. If that's the case, which it was, Anybody that could have joy in prison, joy unspeakable, we probably should listen to what they have to say if they have joy and if they found some peace. So let's listen to what he had to say in Philippians. Be anxious for nothing. Now, that's just to start off with, you thinking, are there dope in prison? I mean, was there dope in these prisons? Because, I mean, it sounds like that he might have got a hold of something. Be anxious for nothing. You know what the word nothing means in the Greek? It, it means no thing. That's what it means. So Paul is in prison. He's in prison. He's awaiting his, posi- his his eventual execution, and he says, don't be anxious. And you think, what? What else does he have to say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Now, that's sweet, isn't it? Isn't that just sweet? It's Sunday morning. It's 11 o'clock. That just sounds really sweet. By prayer. Brothers, let's pray. Sounds like you're looking for a little bit more besides prayer, doesn't it? that's what he has to say, but but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. It gets just crazier. So not only are you going to pray, but you're going to pray with a thankful heart while you're in prison awaiting your execution. Let your request be known to God and the peace of God. And then he just nails it. I just think scripture is amazing. He says, and then the peace of God, which will pass all human understanding. Because you've got to admit, when you look at his story, when you understand the context and the situation, then you stand back and think, there's no other way to explain this. It's got to be a God moment. This Jesus stuff must be real. Then he says, he says, which surpasses all understanding, the peace of God, it will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Then he says this, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, meditate. Fill your mind with these things. The things which you learned and received and heard, and I love what he says. He said, and saw in me. So in other words, this this is not an infomercial. This, This is a man who says, listen, you guys, some of you guys walked with me. You know that I'm not fake. You know that this is not just church on a Sunday morning. You know that every day of my life, I was radically changed by the power of God. And in the end, it's the only thing that matters is this relationship with God. And I just think that a guy that's in prison, awaiting his execution, if he says it's real, and he says, you know it's real because you've seen it, we should probably listen to what he has to say. Do, these do, and the peace of God will be with you as well. Wow. So he says, not only, not only do I have peace in a terrible situation that nobody else would want to be in, not only do I have peace, guess what? You can have that very same peace too. So how many of you would okay, just be willing to admit that occasionally you have some runaway thoughts that don't bring peace? Maybe you worry. If you're really spiritual, you use the word concerned. If you're super, super spiritual, you know you can't say worry because worry is a sin. So you say, well, I'm not worried, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned about my children. If you're a parent, are you concerned about your children? Most of us probably would raise your hand and say, yeah. I mean, to some degree, we live in a crazy world. I mean, there's shootings in school. There's drugs everywhere. Sex, what's going on now in middle school blows your mind. I'm not worried. God, God's in charge. He's, he's large and in charge and he's in control. But I am concerned. Maybe you have a little bit of fear. Maybe there's some anxiety. And maybe on some days, if you're gut level honest, your mind just runs away with you. And if it does, that's a pretty serious thing because your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts, which is good news if you're thinking good thoughts. It's bad news if you're thinking bad thoughts. When you're focused on things that make you fearful or anxious, our minds tend to run in the direction that doesn't bring peace. And that's exactly where some of you are. So why is it that our mind often compounds itself with fear? Well, in preparing for this, uh, this message, I did a little bit of reading. I did a little bit of research. Yes, I was on the Internet. And I found out some really interesting things. In fact, I read that our brains, in our brains, there's this little almond-shaped portion of the brain known as the amygdala. Anybody ever heard of the amygdala? I had one person. Well, there are several of you. Wow. we got some medical people in the house. Cool. And according to one website, which I'm pretty sure, again, it's on the web, so it's got to be true, the amygdala, say it for me, amygdala. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's the reason that we're afraid of things that are outside of our control. That's the portion in that little brain, in our brain. (laughs) It may be a little brain for some of us. That makes us fearful. It's what triggers the fear. And according to this website, numerous studies have been performed where researchers have used deep lesioning to remove the amygdala of rats. After this procedure, the rats were said to have no fear of anything even cats. It's a miracle. I mean, it's just a miracle, right? So, whenever you're afraid, the amygdala is, is the thing that is kicked in in full gear. And it's a part of the brain, really, when you look when, you, when it comes right down to it, and I read this, somebody said this, that it's really the part of the brain that's really wired for survival. Like, for example, you know, you, let's say you, you know, you're in bed, you're, you're asleep in the middle of the night. Something startles you. You're awakened at 2 o'clock by a loud noise. The amygdala says, get up and do something. Um, grab a bat. I mean, I don't have a gun. Grab a bat. Grab a gun. I mean, get ready. Somebody is in the house. It's the part of our brain that's responsible for survival. The problem with the amygdala is that it's not objective. It's not objective. It just has one role. It just has one role, one primary function, and that is to protect us. That's why this little almond-shaped portion of the brain needs help from the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is the logical part of the brain. Y'all haven't fun yet? I thought this was fascinating. Smile at me. (laughs) So this, this is awesome. It's a, it's a logical part of the brain. Um, it's, it's the brain, whenever the amygdala kind of gets out of control, it says, stop it. Don't do that. For example, you, you get you know startled in the middle of the night with a loud noise. You wake up. The amygdala says, you know, get a bat, get a gun, do something. This is about survival. It's that prefrontal cortex of the brain that will kick into gear and say, it's probably just a dog. Go back to sleep. You with me? But, but, because of what we were taught growing up, our brain has now been pre-programmed to respond to triggers that take you into an unhealthy zone of, of worry or fear or anxiety. So, you got the amygdala, it's doing its thing anyway. And, and then you, you have this prefrontal cortex of the brain that's trying to balance it out. But then there's been certain things. There are these neuro pathways. Remember from the first week? That we've gone down many, many times because what we were taught as kids. So, all this junk is going on. Let me tell you how that plays out in real life. I don't know if any of y'all noticed or not. I got, I got a finger missing. Any Anybody? Some people make fun of me. I, I get up, I think I'm doing, I'm worshiping Jesus. You know, I'm swaying to the music. You know, I'm I'm into it. And people go, look at him, he's got a finger missing. You should be worshiping Jesus. <laughs> and I should be leaving my finger, <laughs> leaving my finger alone. The reason that this part of my finger is missing is a direct result of some stinking thinking. The reason that I have a missing finger, it's because of how I was pre programmed to think growing up. My You've heard me tell this many, many times. My father died when I was 10 years old. And my mama told me literally from the day that my dad died, my mama said, son, I'm going to tell you right now, the world is out to get poor old widow women and their orphan children. The world is just out to get them. So one day after an all-night camping trip, I came home, and, and mama had, uh, had this man to come by and to fix our riding lawnmower. Now, we had a riding lawnmower. We had an old riding lawnmower. The reason that we had an old riding lawnmower was because my dad, when he was alive, my dad was a shade tree mechanic. My my dad was Superman. I'm just telling you. He was like five foot seven, had a pot belly and a bald head, but he was a bad man. He was. You resemble that remark. Don't you? Everybody say amen to the short, fat, bald-headed people. Um, so, but my dad, my dad, for me, my, my dad was, was Superman. My dad was my hero. My dad could do anything. So my dad didn't believe that you bought anything new. You bought something that was old because my dad was a shade tree mechanic. He could fix anything. So you bought something. You don't waste your money. Don't pay all your money on something new. Buy something that's used and old, and then he would be the guy that could fix it. Anyway, so I got on this old riding lawnmower. And I got on there for one purpose, that's to see if indeed this man had fixed the lawnmower. Because you remember, the world's out to get old widow women, poor widow women, and the orphan children. So I was riding across the backyard, and the mower literally stopped. My foot was on the gas, everything was cool, the lawnmower stopped, dead. And because I had been pre-programmed to think that the world was out to get old widow women and their sons, I, I was convinced that he had taken advantage of us. I said, well, you know, he's just, mama said, and I know my mama, my mama's right, and the lawnmower stopped, and so it came to a dead stop. So what I did without even thinking, I took my foot completely off the throttle. I was actually getting off of the the ride lawnmower. I I leaned down like I had done a hundred times before to reach to feel that loose chain to see if indeed the chain had come off, which I was convinced that it was. And when I did, somehow, I don't know how it happened, The lawnmower just, it just lunged forward. It lunged forward with my middle finger between the chain and the sprocket, and it mashed it clean off. Well, that's a lie. It wasn't clean off. It mashed it off, and it wasn't clean. Actually, y'all remember the Archie's cartoon, the Jughead? That's what my finger reminded me of. It was was just a, y'all having a good time? It was a. She's praying right now. Why did I do that? Because I had been pre-programmed. I had been pre-programmed to think that the world's out to get you. I had certainly been programmed to think that if you're, if you're a widow, widowed woman and, and if you have children that the world is out to get poor old widowed women and their children. And so I was pre-programmed. So without even thinking, I was convinced that that chain had come off and that man had took my mama's money. Tell you what else I've learned. And I've learned this growing up, and it's taken me this this whole series has just been about what I've learned over the last maybe 15, 20 years. And I'll tell you what I've learned. I've turned I've learned that it's hard to have peace when you're pre-programmed to think that the world is out to get you. It's hard to have peace when you're immediately, it causes you to live in fear, and then you can't trust anybody anyway. And then you have those pathways, those those neuropathways that you've created since I was 10 years old at least to believe that the world is out to get you. Let me tell you what Jesus said in John 14. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. And you think, well, that's easy for you to say. You're Jesus. But for me, wow, of course my heart is troubled. Your heart will be troubled when you think the whole world is out to get you. When literally every day... You're constantly looking over your shoulder every situation every friendship every relationship is based on the fact that everybody's out to get you that sooner or later people will abandon you they will betray you they will cheat you they will rob you blind even those people that say they're the closest friends you've ever had how are you gonna how are you gonna have peace I'm just say it. Paul said, while under house arrest, facing death, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. Stop it. Don't do it. When you're in relationships and you you are sure, you're just confident that sooner or later you're going to betray me. Sooner or later you're going to walk out on me. Don't be anxious. Trust God. Learn how to lean into God. Learn that this relationship with Jesus, I say this all the time. Listen, if it ain't real, I wouldn't be here. That it works. Don't freak out when the job interview is coming. And that's what we do, right? I am mean, afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. Am I, am I dressed right? You know, am I, up, <laughs> am I covering up my tattoos? You know, what if they find out? And so, and so we go into job interviews. I get, I get texts all the time, please pray for me. I'm scared out of my mind. I'm going in for a job interview. He said, be anxious. Listen, you don't have to be anxious for anything. Absolutely no thing. That's what it means in the Greek. Don't be anxious about your one day, hopefully someday future spouse, even though you had not had a date in months. But you are anxious. Sometimes I talk to people that say, you know, especially young ladies, my biological clock is ticking. I don't, I'm not sure if I know everything that that means, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. Don't be fearfully, don't be fearful when you're financially burdened. That's easier said than done, right? Again, we're talking about living in the real world. Don't be anxious when you're battling an addiction, don't be anxious, don't be fearful, don't be afraid that any day the hat could fall. Don't be scared to death and I don't know if I have enough strength today, it's not about your strength anyway. So don't trust in your strength, don't rely on your strength. Don't be anxious. And fearful when you're fighting against a marital challenge. I thought that was funny. Obviously y'all didn't. I said marital challenge. I tried to think of how can I say that in a really sweet way? <laughs> you know, y'all fighting like dogs, you know, every day. How can you how can you in those situations not be anxious? He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Come on, man, this is church on Sunday morning. But that just sounds a little bit out there, doesn't it? There are three different words that he actually uses for prayer here. They're translated prayer, supplication, and request. So all they have to do are, they're all about petitions. And the assumption, the assumption is, is that when you get into a problem, that what you'll do is that amygdala, amygdala will kick in and you'll cry out for help, right? That seems natural, right? It's what we do. We, we do all that we can do, and then, and then we hit a wall, and we need God to work a miracle. So it doesn't really, there are no atheists in foxholes. Are you, are you with me? We find ourselves in a situation, and then we just do all we know to do is that we cry out for help. Of course we do. But then it says this. And make your request, make them with thanksgiving. Now that seems weird, right? That seems a little strange. But you got to remember who we're listening to here. We're we're talking about a guy who hated the church, who persecuted the church, who was completely against the church, who watched Christians die because of their faith. And that rattled his cage that these people would have the kind of faith. And then this is a guy who said, you know what, what I learned is the very same God that I was against is the very same God that I believe in with my whole heart. And here's what I know, that he loves me. He's crazy about me. And what I know is is that when I come to God in prayer is that he is listening to me I'm convinced that God is listening to me I' am want to share with y'all another verse okay I share with this I've shared this a lot I'm gonna share it one more time today Make sure it again next week so so part of you know part of my prayer time I, you know I, I let y'all in on a lot of stuff that I go through I guess and so part of my prayer time every day is I start with Romans 8, then I go to Isaiah 40, and then I finish up with this verse in Isaiah 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Is that awesome or what? See, that's what Paul knew. So you, you go to prayer with thanksgiving because you know you have an awesome God that's for you, not against you. Does this make any sense at all? And when you do, and you know he's working all things for your good, even though you can't see it. Even though that he he's already promised, I'm not going to give you more than you can bear. He said that he wouldn't, and you're you're at the breaking point, and you're not sure if he's going to show up. And when you do, the peace of God. Wow, he uses there's a, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. This makes no sense. Nothing's changed. Paul's still in prison. He's still facing death. He did die. They cut his head off. That's how he died. He was executed because of who he believed in. And he said, in spite of all of that, it won't make any sense to an outside world that's looking. But they'll somewhere they'll go, this Jesus stuff must be real. There's no other explanation. That peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus and give you peace. So, exactly how do we let our hearts be, not be troubled and experience this heavenly peace from God? How do we do that again? We experience it through prayer. Sounds like there's got to be more to the story, right? I read that a few decades ago, neurologists believed that the brain didn't change after adolescence. It was a pretty popular thought uh, probably 30 years ago maybe, something like that, four years ago. Um, in other words, after, after a certain age, your brain was completely fixed. And we know today that that's not true. In fact, our brain is constantly changing. It's, evol- it's evolving. In fact, what they say about our brain is, is, is God in His creating us is so unique that our brain actually is rewiring itself as we have these certain thoughts, as we focus on what is pure and what is God. all the, the, Actually, that will change your brain. It will change your brain. So our brain is rewiring itself through this process that's known as neuroplasticity. So when you think, yeah, I ain't saying that again. When you think a thought, here's the thing. It's what we talked about the very first week. When you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again. You know why? Because you're creating a pathway in your brain. Now, normally we have those negative pathways. That's why when something bad happens, that's why when a friend looks at you a certain way, that's why a certain sound in a person's voice, immediately your brain takes you down a negative path, right? Because that's how you've been pre-wired. That's how you think. That's how you were taught. Somewhere, somebody instilled in that, that in you. Maybe it was the experiences of life that did that. One purpose This is awesome. I'm going to close with a bang. I'm so excited. One purpose of prayer, listen, one purpose of prayer, you've never heard this before. One purpose of prayer is to reprogram your mind. That'll set you free if you get a hold of it. With positive truth. Not something you make up. But I'm talking about when you live your life based on the Word. So you get in the Word, you find out what the Bible says, and you go, "Whoa, that's, that's cool right there, and that applies to me. Like Isaiah 41 does for me. There's also another sweet term that I read about. Actually, my daughter told me about this. She reminded me uh, after the first service. Let me give a plug for Emily. She told me about this, I think, two years ago, maybe three years ago, 2016 maybe. Uh, this, this is a term known as neurotheology. Now, I'd never heard that word before until Emily told me about it. Uh, uh, Theology is the study of God. So neurotheology is the study of the relationship between the brain and a belief in God. And this is a study behind what happens to the human brain, this is so cool, through prayer. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? You need to get up on the edge of your seat. Prayer changes your brain. Some of y'all, I know, I'm watching some of y'all going, I ain't there yet, buddy. I ain't there yet. I tried prayer. It didn't work. In fact, an author, um, a lady by the name of Dr. Carol Leaf, uh, she wrote a book entitled Switch on Your Brain. Here's what she said. This is awesome. It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it could be measured on a brain scan. Come on! I was looking for. That's awesome, and you know what? I I love it. And this doesn't listen. Do not misunderstand what I'm about to say. But I love it when science confirms stuff from time to time. Then we just go. I've been telling you that for years. Jesus said it two thousand years ago. You just now catching up, and you say you're smart. So just as toxic, negative thoughts hurts the brains and pre-programs us for unhealthy thinking, prayer actually heals the brain. So Paul said, hey, man, don't look. It's okay. Don't be anxious. I'm not anxious. I'm I'm locked up in prison. Truth of it is, they're going to kill me. I got people that hate my guts, just like I was. I was one of those people. I watched as people literally were stoned to death because of me giving an order for that person to be stoned to death. I know. They're probably going to kill me. But I'm not anxious. I'm not anxious. Because in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, because I know God's crazy about me. He's proven it to me. I can let these requests be known to God. That's all you have to do is just pray, right? Just pray, change your brain, and everything will work out. Let me tell you how this works out for me in the real world. Because remember, this is this is a series. that's, I'm just, you know, bearing my soul and my life out to you. So here's what I've learned over the last few years, and here's how this plays out for me in my everyday life. First, I'm going to do everything I can. I know, I know, right off the gate. The gate. Some of you are going, well, I'm I'm going to do everything I can. For example. If I know that there's a health problem, if I know there's something going wrong physically with me, then what I need to do, and I, I've done this recently, you know, I've exercised for a number of years, and and um, I've I got the exercise thing down. I think I know a little bit about working out and that type of deal. But the thing that I've really struggled with is my eating. I know you're shocked. You're going, really? Yeah. And so, and so what I decided to do was I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat to the best of my ability. And then when my eating, when I questioned even what I was eating, so I finally... Hooked up. There are several of us at the church who finally found this, this sweet, sweet lady. Okay, I don't know about sweet, but she's awesome. I'm just saying. And we're scared of her. The truth is we're going to do what she says because we're scared of her. That's the truth. So I've lost weight because I'm scared of this woman. And so anyway, anyway, so there, she's laid out a food plan. And so I'm going to do everything I can. But here's what I do after that. I do everything that I know is the right thing to do. In other words, I'm not just going to go to the Lord every day after I left the clock. I leave the clock going down the road. God. In Jesus' name, take this weight off of me. He said, look, Chubby, you got to stay away from the clock. After I leave Pete's Inn, and you know what I'm telling the truth, if you struggle with your weight after every big meal, you push away and say, boy, I'll tell you what, I ain't doing that anymore. I'm done. I'm not going to eat for a week, right? I'm not going to eat until about an hour from now. So here's the thing, here's the thing. But what I do is I say, God, here's, I'm going to make every effort I can, but I'm weak. I mean, somebody shows me a Krispy Kreme. My knees will buckle. I know me. I can't, be, I can't put myself in a certain situation. So, God, I'm going to need you to step in and do something radical here. Because if you don't, the supernatural power of God's got to take over. I'll never get it done. So you're in a financial mess. What do you do? <laughs> Are you taking notes? Stop spending more than you make. That'll set you free. Somebody went, huh? Yeah. Guess what? If you spend more money than you make, you are financially going to destroy yourself. You're going to constantly be going in more debt to be able to pay money that you don't have. You didn't have it to start with. Guess what? You're not going to have it because you went in debt for it. It still won't be there. So what I would suggest is you do everything from a financial standpoint. You get on a budget. You cut your spending so that now you make less Now that you spend less than what you make, apply godly principles, and then you stand back and say, God, you've got to work here. I'm doing the best I can. I need some miracles. And then God shows up, and he does the most phenomenal stuff. It's crazy. So are you with me? I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do everything I know. The Bible is filled with so many sweet principles on how to live. I'm going to do everything I can do to follow his word. And then I'm going to say, God, now show up and do something I know I can't do on my own. It's amazing. There's some of you that are, uh, maybe you're like me. And you've been like me over these last, uh, who are we kidding? Since I was a little boy. And Maybe you would just be honest and say, you know what, I struggle I struggle with the amygdala in my brain. It, it tells me. It, it's not rational. I mean, it tells me to be afraid of everything. And you know what? Because of my experiences in life, I don't want to admit it, but I am afraid of a lot of stuff. I've got to change the way I think. Any, anybody that would be willing to say, I love this church. Yeah, go ahead. You can raise your hands. okay. Anybody going to judge you? If they do, I've got some big boys that will take them out. No problem. a place where you can be honest. Look at me. This is not just a, this is not just a sermon. You come in and listen and go home. you got to change how you do life. Every morning before I do anything, you know what I do? I just hang out with God. I have to. I've got I to walk up. i got to look outside. because Who brings out the starry host and calls each one of is by His strength and mighty power that not a, one of them is missing. I had to start my day like that. And I say, God is huge, man, no matter what I go through today. And then I don't have to, fear not for I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. No matter what you go through today, you won't be by yourself. I'm going to walk with you. And it's going to be about a relationship and I'm going to guide you. I'm going to guide your thoughts. I'm going to give you words to say when you need to say them. I'm going to give you strength. It's real. Some of you probably would say, you know, this is a weird invitation. Some of you probably say, you know, I'm not, I just don't pray enough. Guess what? Eight minutes. Twelve minutes. (laughs) Who's taking notes? Twelve minutes, eight weeks will change your brain. Changes your brain. You can, you can see that on a, a brain scan. It works. So if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you say, man, I do struggle. I, I really, really do. And You don't have to raise your hand or come forward. But just right now, you just got to listen. If you keep doing the same thing you're doing, you're going to you're gonna stay in the same place that you are. You're going to be stuck. You're going to be miserable. Now, if you're happy, I got nothing for you. Honestly, if you're looking at me and you go, man, I live like the devil and I, I'm just enjoying life. I got nothing for you. But if you're here and you say, man, there's something missing, This will change your life. Maybe here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. And you'd be able to admit, I don't have any peace. That's my struggle. I don't have any peace. There's no peace there. And that's why you showed up at church. I mean, you, you're desperate to show up at church on Sunday morning, aren't you? I've been saying this for 25 years. Okay, 35 years. Who in the world, in their right mind, wants to just show up at a church on Sunday morning? You're desperate. So if you would say, I'm not a follower of Jesus and I don't have peace and I've been searching, I'm telling you what you've been searching for is in a person, it's not religion it's not in a denomination, it's in a person it's Jesus so if that's you in this morning you say, you know what, a lot of stuff has transpired this morning I'm I'm ready I'm ready to, to surrender my life to Jesus, if that's you, every head's bowed every eye's closed, no one's looking around Maybe you just tell him, Lord, I'm tired of the struggle. I've tried to do this on my own with no results. And I really do believe that this morning what I've been missing is you. So I just want to ask you to forgive me of my sin. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. And I'm just telling you that I fully believe in you. I believe you are exactly who you say you are. And thank you for the kind of love that I cannot comprehend. The kind of love that would go to a cross, die on a cross, a cruel, nasty death. To pay the penalty for my sin. And I I know you're alive. I can feel you. I can feel your presence right now, right here. So forgive me of my sin. I want to spend the rest of my days following you. Everybody look this way. I thought it would be cool if we just kind of closed today with a with last song of, of worship you know, but you get to a place when you understand the power of prayer the power of worship, when you see God for who He really is because the thing of it is He's so much bigger, I promise you this, absolutely promise you this, if you'll just walk with Him and trust Him He's so much bigger than you could ever imagine our prayer this morning.
1: Speak to me when the silence steals my voice. You understand me. You understand me. Come to me in the valley of unknowns. You understand me. You understand me, you understand me, God, you understand me, so I throw all my cares before you, my doubts and fears don't scare you, cause you're bigger than I thought you were, you're bigger than I thought. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation because you're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. Yeah. You're bigger than I thought you were. I believe, I believe, but help my unbelief. You understand me, you understand me. So help me reach the faith that's underneath. You understand me, you understand understand me, God, you understand me. So I throw all my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. Cause you're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. Cause you're bigger than I thought you were You're bigger than I thought you were oh, you're bigger than I thought you were You're bigger than I thought you were Sing this together, I will rest and I will rest in the Father's head. Sing it out. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. And I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. cares before you, my doubts and fears don't scare you, sing it, you're bigger than, you're bigger than, so I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation, cause you're bigger than I thought you were, you're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. Bigger than I thought you were. You're so much bigger, God. You're bigger than I thought you were. Oh, you're bigger than I thought you were. Father, we thank you this morning. God, thank you for your presence. You are the God of the universe, the God of all creation, and your presence is here with us this morning. God, you're so big. Your power is limitless. God, you're over everything. And for someone who is so big, God, thank you that you care about the details, the small things in our lives. God, that you know my name. You know everything about me. God, thank you for walking with me, for loving me through every season, through every chapter. Father, thank you for this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.